0: Horror Critic.
1: Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite blow your mind, maybe we never enlighten you. Maybe we never give you the shunting of your life. Ugh, <laughs> gross. But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So you all voted, and today we are kicking off our June theme of body horror. And if you haven't already guessed, we're going to be starting that with the 1989 film Society. <laughs>
2: Why do y'all hate me?
1: Yeah, Chris is... Uh, <laughs> if there, If there's one... That, I, I don't know if this is your least favorite it's my horror least favorite. genre. Well, no, because there's rape revenge. I would oh, say yeah. that's probably your least favorite, but body mm-hmm. horror is probably your second least favorite. So. You know, I'm
2: gonna say that they're tied for both. I hate both equally.
1: Okay, but body <laughs> horror can be fun. So. Mm. You're <laughs> and, just saying
2: that because you're a werewolf fan.
1: Not well, partially, <laughs> but but Society's a fun movie, and we're gonna talk. Oh. We're gonna talk about how so. So, Society uh, was a film that was directed by Brian Yuzna, who uh, is an interesting guy. You know, he, of course, produced uh, Stuart Gordon's Reanimator. That was how he got into filmmaking. And they had a long term partnership after that. And it's interesting because Yuzna was basically a guy who had no experience in filmmaking, had never studied filmmaking. And he basically met Stewart and decided to essentially mortgage his family's future <laughs> uh, in order to make an investment on the film and fund it, <laughs> which, you know, good for him. The it ended
2: respect.
1: Up, ended up working out. <laughs> and, I mean, he, he was so not familiar with film that he didn't even understand the various positions at the time. You know, that was all Aww. stuff that he kind of learned over time. And, you know, eventually he got the itch to direct and sort of what led him to society is he... Uh, had met Dan O'Bannon, who was the writer-director of Return of the Living Dead, and had also worked on Alien, you know, films like that. And O'Bannon wanted to make a movie called The Men. And I find this interesting because you got to consider this is in the late 80s, you know. Mm. And we only just had a film come out called Men, and it just this concept seems very ahead of its time in a sense. Yeah. Although not because it was still an issue way back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, he wanted to do a movie called "The Men," in which a woman discovers that all men are aliens.
2: That sounds about right.
1: <laughs> and and it was going to be this very like paranoid horror film, uh, from her perspective. Essentially, Yuzna was going to produce, uh, Stewart was going to direct, and Obana was going to write, and. Then Obannon wanted to direct, which Stewart was fine with. But then once Yuzna got the funding for it, Obannon ended up dropping out. <laughs> so, and, but but Yuzna still had this itch to uh, do this sort of very like paranoid horror movie. So then eventually he got the script of what would become Society from writer Rick Fry, I believe. And, and you know, essentially he was still really interested in doing a film with those kind of themes. So that's sort of how he got. Interested in this and eventually went on to direct uh, with a two picture deal from the studio, which also led him to do Bride of Reanimator. Good. And the, the kind of idea there was that, you know, he sort of believed that as a director, when you're doing your first movie, get a two picture deal if you can, because for a lot of directors, their first film also ends up being their last film.
2: Ah, smart. <laughs> and, and,
1: he, and he wanted to make sure that he at least had a second movie to sort of, you know, make up for his first <laughs> film happened to not do well which ended up being the case with society so uh and then of course you know using went on to uh also direct films like silent night deadly night part four return of the living dead three the dentist you know along with everything else that he's produced and written with Stuart gordon so he's had a very nice career yeah. the film was written by zeph e daniel and rick fry the pair also wrote bride of reanimator and zeph himself uh also wrote silent night deadly night part four Uh, so he had a bit of a working relationship with Yuzna and you're already kind of shaking your head because you hate that movie too (laughs) Look,
2: I am very impressed by everything that Yuzna has done that's all really cool but him and Cronenberg are my nemesis and nothing will change my mind
1: understandable they, <laughs> they 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 do not make movies for you they um, do not
2: <laughs> and that is totally fine they make movies for other people
1: yeah and so the film stars uh, billy warlock as bill and you know he's an interesting guy because he was actually the son of stuntman dick warlock who you know ha- has a long resume of doing stunts uh for various films and also played michael myers in halloween part two billy himself appears in halloween two as well uh, he's also he was well known at the time for doing soaps like Days of Our Lives. And then he went on to do Baywatch right after this, which ended up kind of being his biggest uh, career highlight. That is,
2: totally makes sense. Yeah,
1: which, also, which is also according to him. It's kind of sad when he talks about it, but he sort of mentions how like that was the one time that he ever felt really famous as he would go places in the paparazzi. He was like, Bill, Bill, you know, taking pictures of him <laughs> because of Baywatch. So, let's see. It also stars Devin DeVasquez as Clarissa. Who was a Playboy model and was actually uh, Playboy's Playmate of the Month for Ooh. June of 1985. Makes sense. It does, and she had also appeared in House Two before this. Later, showed up in the Toxic Avenger Four. She didn't have much of an acting career, you know, kind of mm. here and there. But, uh, but I, but I think she's really good in this, you know. So it's kind of a shame. Ben Meyerson as Ferguson, who went on to become a director himself, and i think over the last four years has directed like over 10 movies you know so, Damn. <laughs> yeah but you know obviously a lot of like kind of low budget like <laughs> pump and dumps you know but still but still it, it's it, it's impressive to see him be, be so dump. active with it yeah uh and then it also stars evan richards as milo uh who appeared in the films altered states and the twilight zone movie i think before doing this uh, he also writes and directs now. He, uh, he actually did a short film called Woman X that was on the short list for uh, a BAFTA award, you know, so he's had a little bit of success there. And for those who have not seen Society, this is essentially a film about uh, Billy Warlock as Bill, who is the son of this very rich family in Beverly Hills, who suspects that he's, like, adopted or that there's something wrong with his family, and eventually discovers you know the family secrets <laughs> eventually <laughs> discovers the the secret of the rich yep. <laughs> and, and so it's a very it's a very paranoid kind of body horror movie you know the body horror is not exactly subtle but it's <laughs> it's sort of sprinkled throughout and then we get a big dose of it in the final act yep. but so until then it's kind of this sort of paranoid horror delusion where you sort of wonder like is bill crazy is he not and For those who have not seen the film, uh, it is streaming on Tubi and Shudder. We are going to spoil the hell out of it. So if you've not seen it, please go check it out there. Definitely recommend you watch this before we get into everything (laughs) with it because we will spoil everything we can. (laughs) So again, that's streaming on Tubi and Shudder. Before we get into that, we have our usual brief little bit of spoiler-free content. So just the tagline versus the film, what we think of the movie overall. So the tagline for society was, The Rich have always fed off the poor. This time, it's for real. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of society overall?
2: Okay, love the tagline. 100% accurate. Love it. (laughs) No notes. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm gonna be honest, this is gonna be a tough month for me because I'm not a body horror person. So, I do not like society because it makes me uncomfortable and it's gross and it's icky.
1: Which means it's effective. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Having said that, if you like body horror and the societal commentary of the rich and all that kind of stuff, I think that society does a good job. Personally, I'm excited that I never have to watch this movie again.
1: (laughs) Until I (laughs) drunkenly put it on one night. (laughs) I will walk out of the
2: room and go watch cartoons.
1: Yeah. Uh so no, I mean that's fair. You know, and and look, even if you were into body horror, you know, society's not a movie for everybody. Mm-hmm. And and Yosna himself will admit that, you know, well he's very proud of the film, and, and there's a lot of reasons to be, uh, well he's very proud of it. He, he admits that, you know, the film's a bit clunky and it's not exactly yep. perfect. You know, it is a first feature mm-hmm. and, and many directors, you know, don't don't exactly like Blow the blow the world's <laughs> mind, you know, with their first movie. It's it's a it's an experience, right? Yeah. Like it's an learning experience, and, and you do see some of that in society. It's far from a perfect movie. That being said, I I really like this film, you know, and, and and part of that is because like, look, if you've been listening to this for if you've been listening to us for a while, you know at least by now that like I personally I really enjoy movies that are just unique and kind of out there. Mm-hmm. Like you know, for me i i i I follow brian yuzna's philosophy you know so so yuzna himself is is a director that believes that you know when you're doing film he doesn't care about realism you know Mm -hmm. he he doesn't he doesn't care about it feeling realistic he doesn't care about you know uh stretching your imagination until it fucking snaps and (laughs) and you can no longer you know accept it like he he's a director that's very much about I, I'm this is a movie I'm making art let, mm-hmm. get as weird and wild as you want with it and you know you know basically he he lives on this philosophy of like g- go as weird as you want and worry about logic later you know so <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that definitely comes through in this movie <laughs> and,
1: and it does and it's a big reason why I love it you know because so many things in society. Don't make sense at first, and and some of them will. Do they ever? <laughs> well, and some of them will never make sense, and and he also admits that, yeah. you know. And we'll talk about some of those as we go. But yeah, no, I I really like this, uh, I really like this film. I I think that you know the the setting of it's perfect. I I love that it's set in Beverly Hills because yes. if you if you live in Los Angeles or you've even just visited Beverly Hills, it itself is like another planet inhabited by aliens, which is not a spoiler. This movie. I'm not telling you if it is or is not about aliens but <laughs> um but, but Beverly Hills itself feels like a whole other planet you know you kind of go from your sort of like typical Los Angeles neighborhood which is you know a, a mix of wealthy and poor and you know whatever and then you get to Beverly Hills and it's like Everything is posh. Everything is like extravagant. Every yep. every store you walk by is like, I bet I can't afford a single thing in there. Like, you can never afford
2: anything in there.
1: Like, it's it's a whole other universe. And, you know, what's so fascinating about the movie is that in dealing with the world of the wealthy, you know, the the 1%, so <laughs> to speak, uh, in dealing with that, th- this film in a lot of ways is, you know, it, it was a reflection on the Reagan era, which had just ended around the time the movie came out, and so it's kind of a reaction to that. But it's also, you know, oddly enough, I think becomes more relevant as time goes on. Like, yep. which is sad, you know, because
2: very much so
1: because you know the Reagan era was pretty fucking terrible. And yeah, it's, fuck
2: Reagan. And
1: and, it, and it's horrible to think that you know here we are thirty years later and
2: it's only th- gotten worse. And it's
1: only gotten worse. <laughs> and and every every ounce of society. Is, is just so poignant and relevant to today that, you know, I, I think that's part of maybe why it's grown in appreciation, is especially when we have this, you know, whole concept of, of eats the rich, you yes. know, as, uh, as many of us like to say now. You know, I, I think that the more that grows, the more people actually like the film society yeah. because... It's basically a giant middle finger to, to the 1% class. So
2: It is. It does. It's the one thing I will give society is it does a great job of really like calling out the rich and the grossness of like that whole culture. It does great with that. Everything else is it's just, to yeah. your point, it's weird <laughs> and it's clunky and you can tell that the actors don't do a lot of acting. But you know what? It's charming. There are charming aspects of it.
1: Well, I would disagree. You know, the, actor, the actors do a fair amount of acting. You know, granted, for a lot of them, it was a, a first film or, mm. or an early film in their career. And, and I will give this to them, too. You know, the dialogue is strange. Very <laughs> as, strange. As, as, as you like to point out <laughs> Makes during no our sense. watches. And, and, and a lot of the actors <laughs> say that as well. You know, like uh, Devin DeVasquez as, as, uh, as Clarissa, you know, she mentions the line, where she asked Billy, you know, how do you take your tea, cream, sugar, or would you like me to pee in it? You know, like, hey. <laughs> that poor like, actress,
2: that that character is just a fucking freak.
1: Yeah, you know, so so there's a lot of dialogue, which I'm sure the actors probably had a little bit of trouble with, but for a lot of them, that's what drew them to the script as well, yeah. is just how bizarre it was. So mm. it's a shame because Society ended up not doing well. You know, one of the first reviews uh, from Variety uh, basically ripped the film apart, Aww. you know, and and, and Yosna was very hurt by... Uh, the reaction to it, because, you know, it, it basically, uh, no one liked it, essentially. Like, it, it, it got a very small release. It was ignored by critics and, and audiences alike. And, and so it's, it's been good to kind of see it, you know, get a new life over the years. Because, I mean, even me as, like, a giant horror fan, you know, I, I didn't discover this movie until, I think, like, 10 years ago or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I'm a huge fan of Stuart Gordon and the, and Brian and so... You know, this was one that I just wasn't able to get my hands on for a very long time until, uh, until around the time it was sort of getting its second life. But so we are going to move into spoilers now. So if you have not seen the film, again, it is streaming on Tubi and Shutter. Check it out there. Otherwise, we're going to talk about everything we can get to in the next hour. Uh, so with that being said, we're moving to the spoilers. So let's just let's just start off with the let's just start off with talking about the rich, right? The
2: fucking rich. And and the
1: whole. <laughs> one of the central themes of society, which is this emphasis on the concept of good breeding (laughs) as, as, as Bill says uh, to his friend Milo, when they're playing basketball and it's the first scene we meet them in and, you know, and, and Bill's like kicking his ass or whatever. And, Milo's like, yeah, fuck you, Bill. And Bill's like, <laughs> oh, it's just a matter of good breeding, Milo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which is fucking bullshit because, like, Bill, you don't even have good breeding. You're fucking livestock. So, like, get off your well, fucking Bill, high though, horse. Bill doesn't
1: know this at that time. <laughs> he does <laughs> <so laughs> Again, we're in spoilers now. <laughs> we're in
2: spoilers. I am, no, it is. I am very glad that this is a, a main, you know, central idea with the entire movie because it is such an ingrained part of, like, the rich and the elite, this idea that like they were born better than everybody else. They have like the good genes. It's like, no motherfucker, you took advantage of other people and you have money. That's why you're rich.
1: Yeah. You know, it goes back to the, 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 the thing that I think is most that, that really makes you think about this movie is that, you know, especially here in America, like especially here in America, Mm -hmm. I, I think we like to have this idea that we're free and we make, you know, we make the decisions for our country and that kind of stuff, democracy, yay, all that. Mm-hmm. And and to a degree, that's true. Like, obviously, I, I think voting's important. I think that, you know, getting the right people in office is important. I, I believe in all of those things. And, you know, I, I think to say otherwise would be a disgrace to all the people that fought for those rights. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I believe in those things. But at the same time, you know, we're not as free as we think. We and, are not. <laughs> I, I mean, that's particularly apparent, you know, when we're talking... Not to get serious for a moment, but when we're talking about, you know, things like uh, like gun laws in this country, right? And, it, like, 90% of this country wants fucking simple, basic gun laws, mm. like background checks and rad fra- red flag laws and shit like that. Like the rest and of it, the
2: world has.
1: Right, like the rest <laughs> of the world has. And we... we you know, we want these simple, basic things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a large majority of the country wants that. And yet, still, politicians don't get it done because we're driven by, like, the minority, essentially, the fucking right?
2: fucking 1%. And,
1: and, and <gasps> you know, being like the NRA and, you know, mm. the the funding that they give to the politicians and all that crap. And, and so, something that I just think is so interesting about this movie is how it kind of touches on that idea that, like, no matter how much time goes on, no matter how much... You know, uh, we develop things like democracy and stuff like that. We're all still living in an era of like kings and queens. Yep. and and, you know, because that it's basically the same concept from uh, from those time periods, mm-hmm. you know, medieval areas and eras and stuff like that, where it's like, you know your your leadership is just people being born into the family. and it's yep. just, it's just this constant chain of, like, that family, right? And, Inbred and,
2: assholes.
1: Right, and and it's really no different in our modern era, you know, because you just have these rich families that continue to be rich mm-hmm. and continue to breed other rich assholes, and, yep. and, and they continue to control everything, you know? So. Yeah,
2: and I feel like part of the good breeding that you get, like, and that you see kind of in the movie is not only, like, you know, the rich marrying other rich people, which is always a huge thing, but... The rich marrying people with the same mindset. Because um, to your point, Billy doesn't. Bill doesn't know that he's livestock in the beginning. You know, he thinks that he he has his doubts about whether um, he's actually part of the family. You know, he kind of expresses it to his his doctor, um, Dr. Cleveland, who's played by Ben Slack, that he thinks that he's adopted and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's because Bill has very different feelings about the world than the rest of his family does. You know.
1: Well, well, but part of the reason he does is because he's not them.
2: He's not boy, yeah. that's that's not that's nature versus nurture,
1: well, well, no, but see, i I disagree because mm-hmm. part part of the point to society is that you're just you're born a different breed, mm-hmm. you know it it's not like essentially the idea here is that it's not about being nurtured versus nature or it's not it's not about you know being groomed to have a certain mentality and stuff like that like it's it's basically you know cuz he's living the same damn life as his sister Jenny mm-hmm. and and the thing and the thing that is really interesting about Bill is that you know and, and Yosna talks about this in the, in the commentary for the film I think or at least one of the interviews he does where they really wanted to focus on a character like Bill who is already part of the family who is already part of this class mm-hmm. instead of someone on the outside because they you know they they want to show that like you know just because you're you're rich and you're a part of these things doesn't make you (laughs) one of these people, you know, like Mm. it feels, it feels more interesting when you have a character that's within the society that begins to question it and their role in it and their position in it. And, you know, which of course we ultimately learn, like Bill is not actually related to any of them and that's why he is different, you Mm -hmm. know? because that's the thing it's not it's not about the way that you're raised it's about just being born into it yeah. and he was not born into it he was stolen <laughs> you know so he's not For a, he's livestock not, right so he's not actually of the same blood of the same species that's the whole mm. point is that you know the film is essentially trying to say like the 1% is an entirely different species yeah you know than the rest of us uh like you can you can you can earn wealth you can become wealthy you're still not going to be part of this breed. Yeah. If
2: you weren't born with that silver spoon, you're never going to be a gross slime monster.
1: Right. Exactly. You know, like it, like essentially the idea behind it is it takes generations of breeding, inbreeding. of inbreeding within <laughs> this, within this shitty wealthy society, uh, to actually become one a of goo them. Monster. Right. <laughs> like you can't just go win the lottery and win millions. And then all of a sudden you're part of the 1%. <laughs> but that, but then on the other side of this too, you know, uh, part of what I think is so interesting about Bill is that and what's great about society is that even just looking away from the one percent element of it for a second uh, the film at its core I think is very relatable to to uh, to you know the teenagers because yes. uh, and, and that was part of what het wanted to do is he wanted to make a film that was like one of those you know high school comedies that were really popular in the 80s <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, this is his take. I love that this is his take on a high school comedy. Well,
1: I mean, I mean, clearly he's still making a horror movie, yeah. you know. So, but, but, but it's still. But I mean, if you really look at the film, it, it is, is. It I does agree. feel a lot like it, you know. There's mm-hmm. a there's a lot of like really oddball kind of comedic stuff going on in it, uh, like fucking shrunken heads and sex dolls and shit like that. <laughs> Uh, it's very brightly shot, you know, so it so in a lot of ways, it looks like one of those 80s high school teen comedies. Yeah. And, and and it and, you know, it's very relatable in that sense, uh, coming from a character like Bill, because, again, looking away from the 1% side of it, you know, part of this story is also sort of sort of, you know, Bill's kind of fear of like his, you know, kind of kind of sexual coming of age, right? Like mm-hmm. he he has dealing with things, you know, he's he's essentially dealing with sex all throughout the movie. Like that becomes yes. a central <laughs> that becomes a central theme of the film, uh, where he's kind of, you know, experiencing things like that that are are off putting and weird and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And at the same time he's kind of like combating this, you know, sort of I, I don't quite know how to phrase it, but sort of combating this like, you know, underlying kind of attraction to his sister you know like that like that's kind of there a little bit and so so you know a a large part of the film is just touching on you know sort of these fears of sexuality that we all kind of begin to experience as a teenager and and i think in that sense you know it 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 is really relatable to anyone you know kind of going through that there's (laughs) so many
2: relatable teenage points with this because like you know, yes, there's the the fear of sex and the unknown, because, you know, one of the things that I feel like, you know, we get that fear of sex from the female perspective a lot, I think. And what I like about society is it kind of has like that fear of sex from the male perspective, which is well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this body? <laughs>
1: well, for sure. And and going back to the teen comedy thing, you know, mm-hmm. something that's kind of fun about that is that, you know, the usually the teen the teen comedy uh, from a male perspective it, you know, they're, they're all about generally like, yeah, I'm going to go get laid, you know. I'm going to go fuck and, that hot girl. And, and, and there's still, you know, there's still like an inherent fear in that a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's they're still uh, generally the main characters like they still. Uh, they're, they're a
2: little bit worried about performance.
1: Right. Like they have an anxiety about it, mm-hmm. but it, but it's all done through a comedic manner, you know. So I like that society, as you said, kind of takes that idea and tells it through a male perspective because that is something that you hardly ever see Mm -hmm. just, just period, you know, like not just in horror, but just in general, it's something that you hardly ever saw at the time uh, because usually, you know, men are presented as like these, Gun ho like i'm gonna fuck everything that walks you know kind of characters <laughs> i know how to
2: fuck i know how to fuck good it's gonna be fine right
1: exactly and so so it's really kind of actually refreshing to see it from a male perspective of having that fear of sex yeah and, and you know being off put by it because that's kind of what bill is throughout this is you know every time that he has even the slightest uh sexual moment you know whether it's you know something as simple as like zipping up his sister's dress mm-hmm. uh to, to you know actually fucking Clarissa like <laughs> there's th- throughout that whole range every time one of those things happens is when we get a little piece of the body horror you know yeah like like from just zipping up Clarissa's dress the body horror starts to kind of come out and that's sort of you know touching on like his not just his repressed attraction to his sister but also just like his fear of those feelings, his fear of sex.
2: Uh, I have to say, the, like, repressive attraction to his sister is such a, like, manga storyline for me of just, like, oh, shit, I want to fuck my sister. Oh, wait, she's not my blood sister? Mm, maybe I can.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you (laughs) know... And then he does it because
2: his sister fuses with his mom, and that's just fucking weird. That's too much.
1: Right. Well, well, according to, you know, Yosuna has mentioned that, uh, you know, from his perspective, like... (laughs) an underlying attraction maybe to siblings or cousins or even parents, you know, stuff like that. I mean, they're uh, the closest
2: thing. You see their nudity more often than you'd see a normal person.
1: Right. And, and that was something that he really wanted to explore with this movie because, you know, horror is all about kind of discussing and, and touching on taboos, right. And kind mm. of digging into them. And, you know, there, there's nothing more, or there are a few things more taboo than incest <laughs> <laughs> in film. And, and, and 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 that is something that you know is honestly like within quite a few horror movies is you know it, whether or not it's talked about directly is sort of that idea of incest and you know and that was something that he was like fuck it I'm gonna I'm gonna make I a movie about it this <laughs>
2: <laughs> underlying incest
1: right exactly and, and you know part of the thing that I love about that and and you know kind of making fun of the one percent with the whole you know the whole thing about incest is. Like, part of how this movie feels so relevant now is, I mean, the the dad's relationship to Jenny, Bill's sister, played by Patrice Jennings, you know, part of his whole relationship just feels so, like, Trumpian to me, you know? (laughs) Like, like, I swear to God, it's exactly like Donald Trump and Ivanka Trump, where—and for those of you rolling your eyes because you're conservative, I mean, you look at their relationship and you tell me that there's not something a little bit (laughs) weird— about how often Trump touches his daughter and says things about how beautiful she is like there's something yeah. a little fucking weird little about it you know yeah. a little fucking weird about it but something else kind of that is touched on with this whole idea of good breeding you know that we see in this movie early on is is not just how the those within the 1% are treated you know, and and the amount of pressure that's put on them. Like, Bill has all this pressure on him to, like, be the best and mm-hmm. be successful, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Like, not, not only is that there, but then we also sort of get the other side of it and how there's this effort to keep all of those that are not part of what's considered, quote-unquote, good breeding
2: out. Yep.
1: You know, and, and that's where, like, the character David Blanchard, played by Tim Betrell, comes in, where, you know, he's this guy who's, like, an ex of Jenny's. And and ends up being like a huge catalyst for for Bill kind of realizing how fucked up his family is. Mm-hmm. But but he's like a, a direct reflection of how the one percent is basically like fuck you to everyone who is not <laughs> part of that.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, this really kind of touches on, you know, that whole concept of like you ostensibly stay within the family like you don't go outside of your social circle, you don't date outside of their social circle. And right. so I thought it was really brilliant with with Blanchard is not only the fact of like he's an ex somebody that Jenny did date and who is now forbidden to date or to even like be around, but it's also, you know, David's Jewish, which is also I think a kind of a huge thing with it because like we all make the we all know the jokes about like the country clubs and stuff like that of, mm. you know, no Jews allowed and stuff like that. So I think it's also kind of reflecting Like that anti-Semitism that very much comes with the one percent sometimes, and those very closed doors of if you're not like us, you can't come in. And for me, it's one of the like super relatable things too. You know, we talked about the fear of sex, you know, but I think another part that's relatable in the teenage part of this is going up against your parents for the first time and how they view the world versus how you view the world.
1: Right. Bill, Bill actually has this great line when he's being uh, arrested by the cops, I think, or, or when he's being uh, harassed by the cops, mm-hmm. and he says something like, I have rights, I'm almost 18. <laughs> Irony is that you don't, yeah. you know, no matter how old you get, really. Yeah. Like, you don't have, there are rights that you don't have that you think you have, but that, you know, touches on the idea of, like, you are under the thumb of your parents, you're under the thumb of society, Yep. and, you know, at, as a kid, as someone who is not of voting age or or whatever, not considered an adult, you essentially have no rights. You know, you essentially have no say, and you have to live up to whatever they want and whatever, you know, they expect you to do. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't have to, of course, but... That's, do. But that's the pressure that's put on you. That's that's what is forced on you, essentially. <laughs> yeah,
2: and that's what we, we see with Jenny. Jenny very much, her parents say, you can't date this boy anymore. And she just smiles and goes, okay, I'm going to go fuck this old judge. I um, do <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> <laughs> Her
1: exact reaction, word for word.
2: <laughs> exactly. You know, but then you have the flip side. Again, to your point, you know, Jenny is born with a silver spoon versus Bill, who's not. Um, And Bill very much rebels against this because they don't want him hanging out with Milo. And he's kind of like, yeah, fuck you guys. Milo's my best friend. I'm still going to see him. He's still going to be a part of my life. You know, and it's it's that interesting rebellion that we kind of get to see we see it a lot in the doctor's office when you know especially the the opening scene where bill's talking about living in his nightmare where he doesn't feel like he can trust you know his his family and he feels in danger and he's having panic attacks just because of this fucking pressure they're putting on him to like be perfect have the perfect friends well,
1: well again this is why i love society is that you know it's it there, there's a lot more going on than just kind of ridiculing the one percent. You know, yeah. like there, there really is. You know, this discussion on the the pressure that is put on, you know, kids that grow up in families like that, and mm-hmm. not not even just families that are part of the one percent, but you know, just those families that expect everything out of their children, that expect them to, you know, get straight A's and that kind of stuff. Like that. Like I get. Like, you know, and, you know, the complete opposite is not always good either. Like my parents put no pressure on me. And, you know, even though I'm not a dumbass, like I slacked in school a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. so I didn't always do as well as I probably could have. But there is that pressure that that is put on by parents and by society for you to do well, you know, And, and especially now, too, where it's like, you know, you have to. You have to grow up and go to a good college mm-hmm. and, like, you know, pay all this money for it and that kind of stuff. Like, we put such an emphasis on that crap that, you know, kids, like, I mean, there are kids where if they get, you know, if they get a D in something, they, they suddenly freak out and think, mm-hmm. my God, I'm not going to go to a good college now, you know? Like, yeah. th- there's so much that we put on them that's oh. ridiculous. That's not even touching on all the fucking, you know— uh, existential crises that we're leaving them with at this point, but uh,
2: C's were not allowed in my household. You could not get C's. That right, is so, failure.
1: Right, so there you go. You know, and I, I ended up getting into a fight with my dad once, like a physical fight, because <laughs> I think I got like a D in science or something. So I know it's horrible. horrible. Like I, I should have gone to prison, um, <laughs> uh, or been thrown out onto the street. But that is a big thing. But I'm glad you mentioned the sort of anti semitism thing because you know. I don't know how intentional this was by his. He he didn't. He did purposely insert uh, the Judaism thing because Mm -hmm. he wanted to express that 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 Blanchard was. You know, he he wanted to give something to Blanchard that kind of, you know, set him apart for uh for for bigotry and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, like like some sort of separation from the one percent. So that's why that was included. But but I think you know I think like once once you see that. You know, other things in the film kind of feel uh, it changes that a little bit, you know, because because you at first you at first look at Blanchard and you think like
2: you're a fucking stalker. (laughs) Well, (laughs) he's hiding in Jenny's closet when we first meet him, of
1: of course. And which is interesting because that he also sort of acts as like a parallel for Bill, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you think about Bill's repression and his repressed feelings for his sister or attraction to her you know he's sort of like a parallel form everyone's because,
2: hiding in jenny's closet well because you can imagine
1: <laughs> bill hiding in jenny's closet and <laughs> gross and, and then he's also you know the one that kind of propelled bill into realizing what his family really is right so anyway when you first meet blanchard aside from the stalker aspect you look at him and you think like oh yeah this dude doesn't fit you know he he's yeah. dressed in like these shitty clothes like he's got like sweats on and shit and and he's clearly not one of the you know he, he's not part of this like beautiful 1% class and whatever and and, and you know this well put together class <laughs> and and you know that's sort of how it comes off at first where you're like oh you know that's why blanchard's not allowed because he's poor right mm-hmm. like we we don't know how you know we don't know how wealthy blanchard is but you get the sense that he's not part of the 1% yeah and then once you kind of learn the Judaism thing it's like oh yeah no this goes deeper because yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, because you're right, you know there there is this you know, inherent bigotry and mm-hmm. and anti-Semitism, like not just in America but around the world uh, within the upper class. and and it, then it becomes interesting when you look at Bill's family because you know they're not quite fitting of the Aryan race profile but they're pretty but, damn close but they're pretty damn close especially both, Jenny because <laughs> both the dad and Jenny have the whole blonde hair going thing going on <laughs> I think the dad has blue eyes Jenny might as well I didn't quite look that closely at them <laughs> uh and then the mom you know is is relatively close to that as well she's more red hair but it's yeah. kind of blondish but <laughs> but but you get the point point. and <laughs> then it, and then you know Bill himself Dark hair, dark eyes, like doesn't fit that profile at all. So, yeah. Aside from the whiteness. <laughs> oh, this is a whole this is a whole thing about discrimination, you know? Yeah. And about and about keeping about the one percent keeping everyone that they deem not on the same level as them out. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's it's the gatekeeping. Again, like as soon as as soon as you know, we saw that he was Jewish, my brain immediately went to the horrible country club shit. Um yeah. of just all that kind of stuff. And it's You know, it it is – we not only get it there, but, like, I feel like it's kind of reinforced when we go to the the beach scene because that's a members-only beach, Mm. you know, kind of reinforcing that, you know, these are the elite who have their own special fucking beach that they go and, like, (laughs) hang out on with shitty kids squirting them in the face with sunscreen. I don't understand why those kids are there, but –
1: well, one of those was actually used in his kid as well. Oh, no wonder. Okay. <laughs> I, I, th- I think the one that says the line of, like, die alien scum or something. But
2: <laughs> oh, which ties us back to the fact that they're alien scum.
1: Right. Well, they're not quite alien, they're scum. alien
2: scum. They're alien scum. With, I'm with Bill on this.
1: They're not aliens. They could be. They're not aliens. Why not? Because they're part of the pl- – they're part – they've – like they say, they've always been there with the human race. Like, they're not aliens. Aliens couldn't
2: come there at the same time. All right, time. we're going to get
1: there in a <laughs> sec. But, like <laughs> – but but yeah, I mean the you know the whole uh, the whole David being Jewish thing brings a whole new meaning to you know the line when Jenny says he just wasn't the right sort for me. You know, yeah. it's like 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 once you look back on that, on her saying that, it's like hmm. oh god.
2: <laughs> it makes me wonder sometimes like why Jenny started dating him in the first place. Like was it her own moment of like rebellion and trying to have agency in her own life, and so she tried to like date someone like kind of very outside her normal social circle as a rebellion like how did she get involved with david blanchard
1: well that i'm not sure on you know i i have this sort of belief that like maybe when you come up in this society you don't quite know what you are Mm -hmm. at first you know it it, because because they have this whole like coming out party which (laughs) sex party yeah which uh i don't know about the rest of you i didn't grow up with coming out parties like (laughs) unless we're talking about you know Coming out as queer, which is a whole <laughs> different thing, and that's not what's going on in society. No, they're so. talking about
2: cotillion. <laughs> I, I never I never did any of this stuff because, like, we weren't that involved with shit. Like, we did Country Club, but we didn't do Cotillion. Oh God, yeah.
1: you fucking rich people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do Cotillion. Okay? What the hell
1: is Cotillion? Nobody C- knows what that is.
2: <laughs> okay, people totally know what Cotillion they is. They do not. Okay, um, So, Cotillion is very similar to what Jenny's coming out party, which was basically you're getting introduced to society for the first time because you're of marriageable age.
1: What the f- <laughs> <laughs> I like how you just present this as like totally normal. So and it's I, I think, absolutely not. I
2: think modern <laughs> modern days it's not so much about the marriageable age type of thing, but it's supposed to be like you're being recognized as like a person in society. Yeah,
1: that's literally something that nobody else does except rich people i mean obviously
2: obviously um
1: well well so there you go you know so like you fucking weird rich people like i'm not part of this so you've got your cotillions you know and and, but but that's the thing is like you know I, i have to imagine that jenny maybe didn't know exactly what she was or what her role in society is or any of that stuff and then you know, kind of gradually learns that as her quote unquote coming out party is coming up, right? Yeah, <laughs>
2: but she's very excited. I am proud that Jenny is pretty much she swings both ways. She's like, I can do it with men and women at my coming out party. Score. Well, we're gonna get and to my th- parents. Well,
1: we're gonna get to that. But part of part of the also irony, I think, in society is that you know, uh, we have so much influence. I think from the one percent in. Mm. In, you know, demonizing the queer community Mm -hmm. when in essence, you know, basically kind of speaking to like, you know, to me that that is done by them on purpose to create, (laughs) you know, to to create uh, upset in society and and allow them to manipulate things because they themselves maybe recognize like, you know. It's all good. Like, it's sexy sex. sex. Think
2: about how many, like, officials have, like, had stances of being, like, you know, anti-queer, anti-gay to be found in a bathroom, like, getting a blowjob or whatever they're doing. Right. They're
1: they're all fucking hypocrites is basically the point. Um, Hypocrites. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, they're fucking parasites, which, you Mm -hmm. know, I think is when it is why I think it becomes interesting, too, that Yosna ends up inserting all of this like slug and worm imagery.
2: Mm -hmm. I just I mean, it's one of those things I'm just like, oh, yeah, because they're fucking like disgusting, gross, like slime monsters type of thing. You know, I think that the the worm imagery is so perfect because the first time we really see it is, you know, when. Bill is talking again in that opening scene with the doctor where he's talking about thinking that there's stuff going on beneath the surface that he's not aware of. And he mm. bites into whatever fucking fruit he bites into. An apple. Was it an
1: apple? <laughs> yes. I wasn't sure
2: if it was an apple or a pear. Um, what? It
1: w- it's clearly an apple. You're an apple. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Although um, I like pears better. But anyway, go ahead.
2: Apples are far superior. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Um, but, you know, he bites into it to reveal, like, the squirming mass of maggots. And, you know, we're so conditioned to kind of think that, like, you know, the maggots and the worms just kind of represent, like, the gross decay. I feel like it represents, like, their gross decay of their souls. And...
1: No, see, I disagree. I, I no, Of course see... you fucking do. <laughs> well... <laughs> The reason can't get anything right. it's not it's not about being right or wrong. This, this shit's all left I up to interpretation. Right. <laughs> this shit is all left up to interpretation. Ask in himself and he'll tell you that he doesn't he doesn't have an answer for half of what's in this movie. You know, like I'm not surprised. Um, even even the the very apple thing that you just mentioned uh-huh. during an interview that I heard with him, it, you know, it's asked of him of like, oh, so so this whole apple thing that's just part of surrealism, right? And he's like, no, that's. The- <laughs> Like, that happens, you know? You just uh, bite
2: an apple and it's filled with worms?
1: Yeah. Like yes, he, no, what apples are you eating? <laughs> well, no, but he's saying, like, that scene is part of that reality. Like, it's not uh-huh. just in Bill's heads. Because <laughs> um, he, he prefer again, he prefers the imagery over the logic, you know? Yeah. So it's not about whether or not it's in Bill's head. He just likes the imagery. Uh, but, why, but why I think the imagery is so important is because, you know, I... You you can certainly look at it like, of course, the the one percent is, you know, uh, their their souls are dead or whatever. Like you <laughs> can certainly look at it that way. Uh, the way the way that I look at it is that closely to more closely to what you said at first, which is, you know, you have this thing like the apple, this beautiful sweet thing that you know most of, any of us who like apples would deem, you know nice and Mm -hmm. and tasty or whatever. Think of (laughs) of the apple as like society, right? Uh Think of the apple as like the society that you live in and then you bite into it and underneath it, you know, are these fucking parasites, these worms, uh, these maggots Mm -hmm. that are not representative of their souls being dead but are more representative of the fact that they are feeding off of you. They're feeding off of death and decay. They're feeding off of you know the
2: the pain and misery that they sow
1: yes basically they're they're feeding off of all of that death and torment that they cause society right mm-hmm. and and they are as you said lurking just underneath the surface like they are there underground you know not known to the rest of us mm-hmm. on the outside you know you drive by their houses and shit like that and they're there are these nice big houses and You know, you don't think like anything horrible is going on in there, (laughs) but but right underneath that pristine sort of sweetness of it all are these fucking monsters, you know, (laughs) wiggling maggots that that are that are manipulating everything from underneath the surface. That's kind of the whole point to it, right? And uh, and then you know the the slugs thing uh, is kind of interesting because they're you know I, I forget what the exact term for them is, but they're their sexuality is essentially that, you know. I guess apparently slugs uh, enact in a lot of orgies, and so Aww. <laughs> ew
2: slug uh, orgies.
1: So, <laughs> not something I really want to think about. But that's kind of that's kind of where the idea for the slug imagery comes from. Is you mm-hmm. know relating them to uh, this one percent and you know the. The, the weird the, orgies. The orgies that we learned that they have in this in this film and also probably in real life.
2: <laughs> I mean, Bill should have just fucking salted them and killed them all if they're like weird slug creatures.
1: I mean, you have to wonder that salt might kill them if, mm-hmm. they, if they are some kind of weird slimy slug creatures. I mean, because right. they, they are very, you know, the, the slug imagery is tied in a lot to the rich in this film. You know, not not just the the sliminess of them, mm-hmm. but I also like in in the end when Bill does like put <laughs> when Bill basically shunts uh,
2: <laughs> Ferguson, Ferguson.
1: <laughs> and and is and he puts his fingers through Ferguson's eye and mouth, and he actually kind of looks like a slug in that moment. Yeah, uh, like that seems very intentional to me. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. This the only thing that like weirdly kind of bugs me about like the worm imagery type of thing is like. Okay, like slight animal nerd worms are really good for the environment because they take that decay. They Hold on. Oh, you got on. No, no no, <laughs> no, no. You have to give me this. They they take the decay and they break it down and they make it into something better, which I think is one of the reasons why I do like the fact that society kind of touches on this because there's this great line, like the whole closing song, the credit song is great and creepy, but there's that one great line where it states in there, the poor gets poor and we're still going to feed on them. And yeah. like, that's the horrible reality of like the 1% in the society. It's just right,
1: which is why you've continued to see the wealth gap increase. Yep. <laughs> where, where 1% of the world owns more wealth than like 99% of the rest of us. They're making their,
2: <laughs> their own... They're ur- all
1: going to go live on fucking Mars or some shit and leave us here. <laughs> you know what?
2: I'll be glad because they'll do that, but none of them are smart enough to actually live on Mars, so no, they'll all die. I won't
1: be glad because they're going to leave us here to get fucked, but look. I eh, we'll fix it. I, I, I see what you're saying. I'm not going to indulge in it because it's still... Of course the, you're not. Because it's still the, the basic imagery is supposed to be here are these things lurking just underneath the surface of mm-hmm. of our life, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where the worms comes in. It's uh, there, you know. So you, you are wrong,
2: Chris. Even though I said you, there's no right and wrong, you are
1: no, wrong. no, no. It's not about being wrong. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that you're going too deep with it and trying to say, well, the worms don't work. You're because... telling
2: me I'm going too
1: deep. <laughs> no, but you're trying to say like, well, the worms don't really work though because worms are also like good for the environment. And it's like, no, no, no. no that's not. That's looking too deep into it. They're just using it for the base imagery of it. <laughs> um, like you can't. <laughs>
2: isn't it is a basic dude, isn't he? No, he is
1: not a basic dude. <laughs> that's why I like his movies because he does weird shit. <laughs> um, he's the opposite of basic when it comes to filmmaking. Uh, but but look so. And speaking of fucking weird shit, you know, fucking Clarissa's mom. I love her
2: so much. <laughs> fucking Clarissa's mom, played by Pamela uh, Matheson. She is, like, my favorite character in this entire thing because, like, she doesn't make sense. Like, so she's part of the 1%, obviously, because, you know, her daughter is, so you would assume that she is. But while everybody else is, like, super put together, um, you have fucking Mrs. Um mrs carlin who's just wandering around with the dumbest expression on her face Mm. and i feel like for me this kind of ties back into the ridiculousness of this concept of good breeding Mm. because then you all get fucking inbred and you're gonna end up with someone no offense like mrs (laughs) carlisle who's just really obsessed with hair and like just really fucking weird and has the best makeup and hair in the entire movie
1: yeah, well I don't know if I agree with the makeup and hair thing, but I will say
2: <laughs> Her neon at the end is flawless, and I will fight you and I will dress like her.
1: Flawless is a heavy word. I do like it, but I will say <laughs> I will say that uh that, that that is one of those things that Yuzna's like, yeah, I got no explanation for the hair thing. <laughs> you know, for for me, I I think the hair thing's just fun because it's like, you know. It's that it's that one thing that's like not digestible for these slug people, I guess, mm-hmm. is fucking hair, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh but, get little hairballs. But, but you're on to it there with the inbreeding thing, which I think is the intention of Clarissa's mom is to show, you know, I, she kind of works twofold. She she partially works as like uh, a representation of the inbreeding of the 1%, mm-hmm. you know, and that idea. It's not just
2: rednecks. 1% are inbred, too. <laughs>
1: Well, right, you know, and, and look, I mean, whether or not you actually look at it from an incestual point of view, the 1% itself, like you were talking about earlier, you know, again, going back, going back as as far back as fucking humanity, you know, mm-hmm. with kings and queens, uh, that's what it's always been. It's always been, you know, marrying your sons and daughters off to other rich families, like, yep. and, and keeping it in the 1%, essentially, marrying you know. cousins. And marrying cousins and you know all that gross stuff, right? You know. So, you know, so so it's not so it's not always about like exactly incest, but just the incest of the one percent, in mm-hmm. that the one percent continues to fuck each other, yeah. right? And, incest adjacent and, and marry each other. Incest adjacent uh, <laughs> is the word, um, is the term. And so, you know, so she she's kind of representative of that, I think. Like this this result of inbreeding, which of course you know is deformities and stupidity Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh the results among people um but then i also think she works too for the idea that like i was saying before where the one percent does not necessarily mean you know wealthy it does not it does not necessarily mean having money and being perfect and beautiful or whatever that kind of stuff it it really just refers to Being born into Mm -hmm. that community right like that that one percent and so i think she's kind of representative of that where it's like you know in 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 the film's terms because if we're looking at it from the film's perspective where you know everyone that's part of this one percent is like very successful and intelligent and beautiful or whatever you know she she is meant i think to reflect like the sort of opposite of that but is still part of this community because she was born into it
2: yeah i mean i think going back to your example of like kings and queens and stuff like that like there always were people who still had titles of nobility but had no money and stuff like that but then since they were born into it they were still a part of that community i would argue that i do think that they're still rich because like her jewels at the
1: beach are oh. like amazing. No, 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 they're still rich. The 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 point was the, They're the not po- successful though. Well, well, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, success is, is is a term that we could all, you know, to argue about, but um, <laughs> no, it, it's not exact. Yes, they are wealthy, but mm-hmm. but the point the point being made is that yeah, they're not she is not like our our tradi- she is not she does not fit in with the rest of
2: society. The
1: rest of how society is portrayed in this film, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz the rest of how society is portrayed in this film are these intelligent like, you know, drop dead gorgeous people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and she is and she is supposed to kind of reflect something different from that. I think to enhance the idea of it does not matter how wealthy you are, it does not matter how beautiful you are. It d- none of the, it does not matter how successful you are. You are not part of the 1% unless you're born into it the way Mrs. Carlin is. <laughs> yeah, um,
2: you know, you're born a slug person. No matter what, you're born a slug person. <laughs>
1: exactly. You cannot become a slug
2: That's put on Clarissa and kind of explains her behavior because Clarissa's only option really is marrying into another family. And I think that's why we see her being this very overtly sexual and sexualized person because... It's kind of, I think, presented with a mom like what she has. That's her
1: only option. Well, I mean, this is what's. This is what's also. She's d-
2: gonna pee in your tea.
1: <laughs> sure, we should all be so lucky. Um, Ew! Uh, no, I will treat
2: Clarissa right. I'm gonna take her to nice places.
1: I'm gonna treat her right and let her pee in my tea. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm divorce I, you. I am
1: so kidding. Um, but no, but this, you know, this is part of the unnerving element of society which is that there there is also a split between gender within the one percent mm-hmm. and how they're treated. And you know, so when you look at this film, all of the men are the ones that have these influential roles like being a judge or cops or whatever, right? Yeah,
2: first thing um, gets to go to an in-
1: First
2: thing gets to go to an internship in Washington and Jenny just has to fuck an ugly judge. <laughs>
1: Basi- basically yes yeah. you know like like the the men are all in these influential positions and the women are essentially meant arm to candy. be there and be arm candy and trophy wives right yeah and and Clarissa and her mom represent that we're like you know Clarissa's mom's contribution to society is fucking you know <laughs> like that like that's basically
2: you're not wrong like that's
1: basically what it is and and you know you could argue too that Something that I think is interesting about her that's not really talked about in the movie is you could also argue, too, that you know she is part of her contribution is potentially you know, since they since she's uh, labeled as like a hooker in the movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of her contribution to society could could essentially be getting rid of the quote unquote trash, you know, yeah, where we kind of get the sense that she's probably on a nightly basis eating up the the poorer people in in society so
2: yeah you're right um
1: but but that but you know but clarissa uh is an example of of that of being forced into that role in that contribution society we're like you're right you know she i think she understands that too is that Mm -hmm. her her only contribution in all of this is basically going to be to fuck old you know fuck old dudes like that's yeah. Like that's basically all all they're gonna use her for. And so so, you know, again, this movie just has so many themes that I think are really interesting and why I love it, because it really is, you know, just dissecting like the awful inherent culture in all of this. Yeah, I
2: definitely <laughs> agree with you. And it's there's so many themes and interesting things in this movie that like I would normally really like. Except for then we get to the fucking shunting, and I'm That's out. That's the best part of the movie. That's the worst part of the movie: the so, weird goose sex scene, the butt faced dad.
1: He's a butthead. He's um, a butthead. So, one of my favorite lines of the movie, because I'm I'm a child. Um, so, <laughs> so look, you know, first of all, uh, fun fact that I that I hope uh, if you don't already really appreciate know that you appreciate him more, is that the The original script for the film was actually very basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original script, you know, had all of the paranoid themes and stuff like that, um, but it was not a body horror film, and the original ending was supposed to basically reveal that, ah, uh, the rich people are just some, like, blood cult, you know, that... Yeah, basic bitch uh, shit. Yeah, basic bitch shit, you know, <laughs> sacrifices, blood, whatever. Um, And, and Yosna kind of looked at that and was like, no, I want to do something that's unique, you know, because mm-hmm. this is... Basic, (laughs) you know, and so so he wanted to do something different. And so it was actually kind of him that was like, let's let's uh, let's get a little bit more body horror in this and make something a little different. You know, and that's kind of where the the shunting and the the whole the whole climax came from. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And and, you know, he this wasn't I can't recall the film, but he was actually inspired by. Uh, what what's referred to as the neo flesh in the film Doctor. X, uh, which is a movie that I've never seen, but I kind of want to now after I know that that was kind of part of the inspiration from this. but uh, but this ending, you know, it's to me, this is the this is the part of the movie that makes society <laughs> like this Agreed. is like like this is the scene in the film that makes society as influential and memorable as it is, you know, because I think, I think the first time you watch this movie, and you know, I, I recall uh, this being shown on the last drive-in, and being really amused by kind of watching uh, all of the comments come in on Twitter, watching it, and you're like, you know, okay, all right, this is this is interesting. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's okay. Like it's, I, you know, it's fine. I'm enjoying this. Like, you know, th- there's nothing within that first hour that really blows you away necessarily. And then you get to the shunting, and <laughs> and society suddenly goes from like a decent film to a film you never forget. Yeah, whether you like it or not. A man shoved
2: his whole fist up another dude's asshole and out his mouth.
1: Just a natural part of uh, of life, Chris. Fisting and and doing it so hard that you come out the other end. You know, like it's
2: Ugh, <laughs> nightmare. Just a,
1: just a natural part of the world, but. But, you know, th- this film was so important – or this scene was so important that uh, it-, it was one of the la- – it was actually the last thing that was shot for the movie, and <laughs> they basically run out of money at that point. Oh, no. And, and so Yuzna actually says that they had to essentially beg the actors to <laughs> to work for free oh. uh, for this finale because he was stressing the importance to them of, like, we have to have this. If we don't have this, then the movie is just – you know, it's just whatever. It's it's yeah. not going to be the same. And, you know, I first of all, I like that we kind of get a hint uh, towards what is coming our way because leading up to the shunting are all of these, like, portraits that are littered throughout uh, Bill's house of, you know, kind of, like, bodies, like, melding together in, yeah. and in odd contorted positions. And something that I kind of like about that is I, I personally think that many rich people have awful taste in art Matt is
2: talking (laughs) about my parents because he hates their taste
1: in art yes Chris's parents do have money and I am not a fan of their taste (laughs) in artwork that is no offense to them I just Just, think it's kind of
2: you just don't appreciate a gum I get it
1: (laughs) I I do not (laughs) And, and I look at a lot of the artwork in in society and I'm like that's dumb. I would never <laughs> hang that in my house. It's rich, art. <laughs> it's rich people art. It's rich people art. Give me all of the like mondo horror movie poster art any day of the week. Uh, but fuck rich people art. And so, <laughs> you know, to me, it's just to me, it's just bad taste. It, mm. It's it's spending a lot of money on dumb shit because you have the money. So, uh, so so I like that kind of lead up to it. But then, you know, I, I think I think what's so affecting about the shunting the the orgy scene is is not just the incredible body horror and and the prosthetic work from screaming mad george but just i just love this idea of like the rich literally fuck and eat you to death
2: (laughs) yep (laughs) that's just what they do it's you know it's i think super effective when talking about the rich because this is really showcasing them as like this people like and the debauchery of being rich and them getting into like weird kinks and all that kind of stuff and it's one thing to have it be very grounded in reality and where society really succeeds is it really kind of almost blows out of proportion the disgusting nature of the rich's indulgence. Uh. Because, yeah, it is the fact that they literally feast and absorb the poor. Like, it's one thing to, like, show a cannibalistic scene. Okay, they cooked a dude, and then they ate him because they're fucking Hannibal Lecter. Okay, whatever. But to watch them actually put their fucking faces and meld them with Blanchard and, like, suck the living ever since, Like, the judge ends up stealing his goddamn, like, beauty mark.
1: Well, well, it's part of that idea of, like, you know, essentially the – and th- this is not exactly what I think is going on in society, but it's part of that idea of, like, you know, the, the old consuming the youthful mm-hmm. in order to stay youthful, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, they literally take – or the judge literally takes his beauty mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does kind of imply that they are sort of stealing the essence of their youth.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it really taps into this idea that, like, you know, sometimes we think we can understand, like – you know the weird debauchery debaseness of the rich and the shit that they get up to but society really like nails it home of you have no fucking clue whatever you <laughs> think they're fucking doing it's worse it's weirder and you have no actual concept he can like the doctor turns himself into a goddamn hand like he's just <laughs> a hand to play a joke well,
1: you know so there, so there's that not to get the political for a moment, but there's that uh, Republican Madison Cawthorn, right? Mm-hmm. Who who recently found himself just getting steamrolled at. Well, not steamrolled. I mean, he did just barely lose, but but losing mm-hmm. uh, his his re-election, uh, and you know, which frankly almost never happens to to lose re-election after one term. Mm-hmm. Um, but he recently lost that because he came out and was like talking about. Uh, basically republican sex orgies and <laughs> and and they clearly did not like that he was publicly discussing I mean, their sex orgies and so they made sure that he didn't get reelected. and mm-hmm. it just it makes me think of like all of the stuff that republicans have accused democrats of and and to and and to be to be clear of what i'm saying here i am not saying that democrats don't and republicans do i mm-hmm. think that I think that the rich are the
2: rich. It doesn't matter what uh, side you're on.
1: Exactly. I think that all rich are doing this shit, right? Yeah. But but the fact that Republicans are out there, like you know, accusing Democrats of shit like sacrificing babies and drinking their blood, and like and we're hearing about, <laughs> and we're hearing about fucking sex orgies from Madison Cawthorn, who you know, I don't really see any reason for him to publicly lie about that. I don't. Mm. I don't know how that gained him anything. <laughs> you know, um, we have to understand that this shit. Happens, yeah. and and maybe maybe you know I, the blood the baby sacrificing and blood drinking probably not, uh, but but I I do also think that Republicans project a lot of shit. They're you know, oddly
2: specific.
1: They're oddly specific, and they and they do tend to project. Things onto the other party that they themselves are doing. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe fucking Republicans are drinking blood. Oh, they're blood. absolutely
2: I, having slime but, orgies,
1: right? So, so like you know, I, I'm not out here, you know, trying to trying to support those conspiracy theorists. But, um, but I, but you know, the, the fact remains that the rich are on a whole other, really different existence than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And so who the fuck knows what they're doing? Yeah. You know, who the hell knows what they're doing? Maybe they are fucking slug monsters having orgies. You know, they, I, I love the line from the cop where he asked Bill, "Uh, is it so boring being rich? And, and I think that this scene is part of a reflection of that, of like, you know, being rich, like you have everything. And it, as nice as that sounds, there's a hollowness to that, you mm-hmm. know, of, of, of not having the excitement or satisfaction in earning anything, mm-hmm. you know, when you have everything that maybe they are also fucking bored that, you know, the, the oh, orgies yeah. are like the only fucking way that they get any excitement out of life anymore. <laughs> like. Which is...
2: It's always something that's such bullshit for me of just like, cool, you could do anything. You could save the fucking world. You could be goddamn Batman. But instead, <laughs> you're going to have I, a
1: goo orgy. Right. I, I would personally get a lot of satisfaction out of being Batman. That is what I would like to do with my wealth.
2: Right. Um,
1: orgies, too. I'm not saying I would be opposed to orgies, but...
2: <laughs> I'm going to go out in the Robin suit while you're orgering. How you, that, what's that term? That's
1: fine. You can be Robin and go be useless, all right? I'm going to go have my orgy, and then we'll do stuff together at some point. Okay, I <laughs> will
2: fucking fight you, and now never mind. I'm going to go be Red Hood and fuck shit up.
1: Well, at least you acknowledge that Robin, that Robin is useless. Um, <gasps> Robin is not useless. I'll fight you. He is useless. But <laughs> uh, all he's there to do is give Batman his, his can of shark you don't even. Spray. You don't even know.
2: You don't even know, so shut your fucking mouth. Especially but, since Damien is Robin right now. Well, not really, but
1: still. I don't care. But look, the <laughs> point. <laughs> uh, the, the the point is, you know, I th- this scene is brilliant. Like I, I, think this scene, you know, also consider this is this is his first feature, all right? For his first movie, he decides to come out. <laughs> with like he just came out not, swinging he, he decides to come out like i'm not i'm not gonna make a slasher movie i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make halloween you know i'm not gonna make uh <laughs> shit on my slashers i'm not i'm not gonna make you know last house on left and like have you know have some awful like raping it or something like that i'm gonna fucking come out with goddamn slimy slug Congealed body mass orgies, <laughs> like like he is just swinging for the fences with this and movie butt murder and 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 having butt heads and faces <laughs> in butts and <laughs> you know it's just it's all so fucking brilliant because that scene I think really is just a great reflection of maybe not what the rich actually do. But what all of us would not be surprised if they did, you know, yeah. because they are, you know, it is literally just this idea of the rich consuming the youth, consuming the poor mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and fucking all of us out of goddamn <laughs> existence, you know, until they just consume everything that we are and take and take and take without giving a damn thing back. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think the brilliance for me really with the ending is the fact that the kids escape but they don't win like bill milo and clarissa they're able to get out of everything but they don't win the monster's not defeated in the end they haven't like killed society like society's it, still gonna be there
1: because they can't yeah what are they gonna do throw I mean,
2: salt I, on them the i mean fucking that, slugs
1: i mean that's part of the, that yeah that that's also part of the brilliant piece <laughs> of this is like There's no resolution. No. They just run away. because All you can do is run. Because that's all they can do. They cannot stop society. They cannot, you know, dismantle this entire underground 1% controlling everything. Like, there's Mm -hmm. no... (laughs) I could, you know, like, I could come out with actual evidence of all of this stuff going on tomorrow. It won't change
2: anything. It wouldn't
1: change anything. No,
2: you'd probably die in, like, a car fire.
1: Well, I'd end up like Blanchard, you know? Yep. and, and and that's also what I think is brilliant about it is how you know the the deaths in this film, both Bill and well, not the deaths, but is that you know both Bill and Blanchard, like they they the one percent makes them dead to the world mm-hmm. before they themselves shunts the shit out of them <laughs> and, and and consume them. And well. yeah, and you know you have to wonder like how many deaths are there out there that are committed by the one percent that Lots. didn't really happen that way and. Now those people are, who knows where and being consumed by slugs. And you know, I like, I love how conspiracy theorists this episode has gotten. Is like, <laughs> I don't, I don't truly believe in like rich slug people. <laughs> I do,
2: absolutely. I'm now a firm rich slug but, people believer. But,
1: but I am definitely one of those that's like, oh yeah, no, the the one percent's out there like doing oh, doing some shit. They're know? doing, they're
2: absolutely doing shit that would horrify the rest of us.
1: Right. Exactly. So um but anyway we do have to start wrapping up you know one last thing i want to mention is how billy is placed on a dog collar uh in that whole orgy scene because it really just you know highlights the way that the rich sort of view the rest of us as like fucking animals i mean (laughs)
2: they raised billy from a baby to be livestock how fucked up is that
1: they're pretty fucked up and it also speaks to like the callous heartlessness of them right yeah you know which which is why i love the scene when he when he brings up blanchard's death Mm. and they're all just like yeah whatever you know, like,
2: yeah, but what are you going to wear to Ted Ferguson's party?
1: Right, because all that matters in this movie is fucking social status, right? Yeah. You know, and which parties you're going to. So, Gross. Uh, so anyway, we've got to start wrapping up because uh, we've already gone too long. So, who's your killer idiot in society?
2: Well, that's Bill. He's a little dum dumb the entire movie. Like, he is just purposely, like, oblivious to kind of, like, everything and running into danger and smacking Clarissa and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's, just, I, he's just an idiot. Yeah. I,
1: I also said, Bill, you know, because I was kind of like, how do you go your whole life not realizing that your parents are sweaty, slug people? Uh, and so he gives the tape. Then he also how. gives that secret tape to what? what's that?
2: <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I got raised in a household where I didn't really interact with my family members. So, so I absolutely understand how you can do Well, miss that.
1: I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think that your family was secret slug people that were going to eat me when I first started dating you. So. Yeah, that's, that's
2: <laughs> about right. Yeah, accurate.
1: But, but yeah, and he gives, he gives the tapes to his therapist. Uh, he goes back home after Clarissa is desperately trying to warn him, <laughs> do not do that, you know, which I, I do really love her arc. Like, she is treated as such a kind of, like, disposable
2: know, sex object, disposable
1: sex object character for a majority of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, only to realize like, no, she actually has a really sad story of like, <laughs> I do not want to end up the sex object of, contribution to society, you know, <laughs> of
2: and, Ted, the tycoon and,
1: Ferguson. <laughs> right. And she's trying to want away from that. She's oh. a really interesting character. Um, But anyway, what is your killer death in society?
2: Obviously, Ted the Tycoon first and getting shunted in the end because fuck that guy. I hate him. His name is stupid. And I'm glad that Bill shoved (laughs) his fucking fist up his goddamn asshole. I
1: I do love seeing him get turned inside out. I am, however, going to say David and the shunting because, again, that is to me one of the most unforgettable things I have ever seen in cinema. Fair. (laughs) Very fair. Uh, what about your killer MVP of society?
2: I mean, we have to give it to the effects. Screaming, yeah.
1: Screaming Mad George. Yep. Yeah,
2: they're, they are unnerving and slimy and gross and sweaty, and I hate them, and I hope I never see them again. So congratulations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, th- those effects were done by Screaming Mad George, a brilliant effects artist who very well fits his name yeah. <laughs> that he gave himself. And, uh, and yeah, that, that was mine as well. I just think he and his team... You know, considering they didn't have much of a budget for this really created some very memorable uh, moments in this movie. And Mm -hmm. again, just unforgettable imagery. Like you you cannot watch society and forget what you've seen. Unfortunately not. (laughs) So on Twitter, at Killer Critics, who always put up a poll kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film, what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on society?
2: Ooh, this is tough because it is a cult classic now, but it didn't have a whole bunch of attention. I'm gonna go with love it just because of how unnerving this movie is.
1: Yeah, so that is correct, and, and you know, to to be fair to your on it, like it it the the love that it has gotten is only somewhat recent Mm -hmm. you know like it's been gradual but but i would actually say you know i i would bet the last drive-in probably introduced a lot of people to society that had never seen the movies It's one of the reasons
2: (laughs) i love last drive-in it's introduced so many great new cult classics
1: right so so love it was 56.9 percent uh it's fine was 23.5 percent don't like it was 1%. I, I love that one of the categories was 1%. Maybe it's the 1% rich people that are like, no, this movie exposed too much about us.
2: Stop doing documentaries about our life.
1: Exactly. Uh, and then never seen it was 18.6%. So uh, we always so that's about where I thought it would mm-hmm. kind of be. Uh, I didn't expect this to one to blow it out of the water with love or anything. Uh, so always get your thought or so always like to get comments from you all as well on Twitter. So these are all from Twitter. Uh, first up is at Super Marcy. So that's Super m-a-r-c-e-y and this is my friend marcy uh, who does a podcast with our who does a bunch of podcasts with our friend bead so you should follow her and check those out uh but she says pure over-the-top grossness the film's core metaphor is just as relevant now as it was then kind of bloody brilliant
2: <laughs> yeah i think we definitely agree with you on all that stuff this movie is a brilliant film and very uncomfortable <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, like, like I said, completely agree. Uh, this film is brilliant. I think Brian Yosin is brilliant. I love his work. Not all of his work. movies are perfect, but goddamn, does the guy <laughs> swing for the fences every single time he makes something? And I will always, always fight for directors like that. Yeah. Uh, you so got to
2: respect that. It's awesome.
1: Exactly. G- give Give me a bad movie that tries something over a good movie that's basic any day of the week. <laughs> that's fair. So, thank you, at Super Marcy, for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from Half Horror. So that's S. So that's H A L F Horror, and they say Society is the movie that predicted the Trump administration, and you cannot convince me otherwise.
2: <laughs> I think you will find that Matt very much agrees with you on that. Like I said, <laughs> the
1: dad and Jenny's relationship is very Trump and Ivanka to me. Yep. You know, and and I would suspect probably a lot of rich dudes out there want to fuck their daughters like, if not have already done so.
2: Ugh, I mean you're not wrong but gross.
1: <laughs> I mean just look at the fucking Jeffrey Epstein's of the world, you know? Like the, 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 the again, the the film is very poignant and very pointedly about that element of the 1% and yep. how men are in charge and the women are basically fucking sex objects. So <laughs> Yeah. So so I completely agree with war. I know that's not exactly what they're saying. Because the Trump administration was also about, you know, the fucking corruption of the mm-hmm. 1% and the way that they destroy the rest of us. And eating the poor. And eating the poor. Um, but, <laughs> but that's there as well. So, anyway, thank you, at Half Horror, for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is coming from at Real Feels Pod. So, that's R-E-E-L-F-E-E-L-S-P-O-D. So, they obviously have a podcast as well. You should check them out. But they say, society is poignant and full of symbolism when it comes to a darker look at the uppers in a cultural perspective. That being said, what the fuck? It's a fun movie, but it's like Cronenberg had a wet dream.
2: <laughs> while he was drunk. Yeah, I I definitely agree with, with all of that. The one thing, again, that I love about this film is that, you know, while it's looking at the 1%, it's looking at it through the surreal you know, lens that very much reminds us that we have no fucking clue. We cannot relate to these people in the fucking slightest because they're fucking weird slime orgies.
1: Indeed. <laughs> God, what I wouldn't give to attend a slime. Ew, orgy. No,
2: <laughs> I will divorce you.
1: Um, Yeah. I, I mean, well, first of all, uh, does Kronenberg have anything except wet dreams? I'm not really sure that he does. Um. Ew. <laughs> Uh, but no, but like like we've said, you know, it, it is a poignant film that that is ripe or, or just packed full of symbolism. Like, I mean, this movie oozes symbolism, Ew. you know, <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> it's it's you know, it, there's so much going on in this film. And that's why I love it. You know, mm. and and yes, you know, he might say that, you know, not everything has a meaning, according to him. But like that's part of the fun is that nerds like us get to look at movies like this and say you know what that means this to (laughs) me (laughs) and that's why i love these movies and that's why dorks like me will always love something like society because (laughs) there's so much in this movie that is just ripe for like
2: unpacking
1: unpacking and and sucking the slime out of and 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 getting getting to the the orgastic Oh. orgiastic heart of it um
2: <laughs> we're definitely making up a lot of orgy words aren't we
1: <laughs> i'm trying to i'm a little drunk uh so thank you at real feels pod for the comment appreciate it uh next was comment from at beer one so that's b-e-e-r-n-u-t and then the number one and they say okay society is a wild over-the-top fun ride i understand some people might be a little off put by the film but to me the film is fun throughout great special effects and makeup Weird little things that seem off. A fun politi- a fun little political message at the end, and a fl- a fun blast of crazy.
2: <laughs> I like the, the constant use of fun. I don't, I don't know if I'd consider society look, fun so much as I unnerving. I completely man.
1: disagree. Uh, so, like, this, this is a big supporter of ours, Seth, and I completely agree, Seth. Society is fun. Yeah. I mean, that that's uh, again, that's also part of the brilliance of Yuzna is that no matter how fucking weird he gets, and you know, occasionally rapey as as the ending of society is with david uh, no matter no matter how bizarre he gets with things it is always in good fun it mm-hmm. is it is always in you know you're not supposed to take this too seriously you're supposed to be entertained by it entertainment is always first with yosna and and i think that shows throughout all of his work you know even the even his most disturbing movies like the dentist uh, for example they're all fun at the heart <laughs> of it they're all bizarre <laughs> fucking messed up movies yes <laughs> they are So anyway, thank you at Beernut1 for the comment. Appreciate it. And then lastly is a comment from Ezekiel Kincaid. So that's E-Z-E-K-I-E-L-K-I-N-C-A-I-D. And they say, gives the phrase, talking out your ass, a whole (laughs) new perspective.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's just what all the rich do anyways, right? It's just talking out their ass. So it's just, it's accurate. Yes, which
1: is why I think that the whole butthead thing with the dad is perfect. (laughs) I
2: I do agree with you, but I do think that's the weakest Billy's leaving. And he just says, like, what? Fuck you, butthead. Like, Come on. <laughs>
1: I think it's funny. It's not it's not supposed you're not supposed to hear that line and be like, Oh yeah, that was good. That was a good line, Billy. You're supposed to hear that and just be like, ha, ha, that's dumb.
2: <laughs> it just reminds me that Billy's a teenager. Like this yes. is kids going up against this. Yes,
1: yep. he, he is indeed a teenager. Yep. So, so no, I, I like the butthead thing. I love it actually. I you know, I, I think it's a perfect example of politicians and the one percent is these fucking assholes talking out of their ass all the time and just saying a bunch of bullshit that they yep. don't actually believe in, you know? So <laughs> Agreed. Uh, so thank you, Ezekiel Kincaid for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, so as far as releases go this week, uh pretty interesting week, actually. Uh, first up is Jurassic world dominion, which is coming to theaters on the 10th. Fuck. Yeah. You're excited. <laughs> However, the, reaction so far that i've seen from some of my critic friends has been absolutely atrocious this is gonna Uh, (laughs) be a terrible
2: movie i just want dinosaurs
1: yeah look i I will just say this all right like it's pretty rare for critics to be unanimously just like ripping apart a film Mm -hmm. (laughs) before it comes out like this and uh and that is what is happening with jurassic world dominion so i would say expect a terrible dinosaur film yep but it's still a dinosaur film, so I'm hopefully just there
2: for the feathered dinosaur. I don't give a shit about anything else,
1: right? So hopefully it'll be fun. Uh, but anyway, that's it on the tenth. Uh, another film is Lux Aturnak, which is coming to digital on the tenth, and then this, this is from director Gaspar Noe, uh, who is well known for his movies The Void and Irreversible. Uh, and it, the film itself essentially involves like witchcraft and onset Ooh. hysterics. It sounds and looks very interesting. Uh, for those that have not seen a Gaspar Noe film. I will say, just be prepared for possible rapey moments. Aww. Again, I don't know what I have not seen Lux Turner. I don't know what's in it, but if you've seen Irreversible, you know that he is a director that is not afraid to go there, and uh, and typically does some very weird shit. Into the Void actually has a scene where the camera like literally goes through a vagina. So like it's <laughs> uh, so you always know that you're going to get something very fucking bizarre with Gaspar no. Uh And then lastly is a film called. The Righteous, which is coming to the Aero streaming service on the 10th. And this is the deep and this is the debut feature from Mark O'Brien, uh, who plays the uh husband to be and ready or not. Ooh. And it essentially involves an old couple, which is visited by a mysterious stranger, and then saying anything else would kind of you know spoil things. But uh, I really love this film. I caught it at a festival a while back, it's very interesting. Uh, it's shot in black and white. It's a very good kind of uh, paranoid religious thriller that uh, that I think just does a lot of great things with these characters. I really enjoyed it. Um, so definitely recommend checking that out if you can. And then next week, we're going to be talking about The Incredible Melting Man, which is streaming on Prime and Paramount+. Plus. So you can check that out there. Do your homework if you like. Uh, I'm very excited to see Chris's reaction to this because she's never seen it, and I uh. have. And I'm sure she's going to very much enjoy the... Incredible Melting Man and the Melting Man at the heart of this movie. Um, so,
2: I'm worried.
1: I uh, was going to check that out there. But otherwise, that's it for us. So I'm Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And have a good night, horror fans. Happy shunting. Oh,
2: God. <laughs> Bye.
0: I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at KillerFromSpace, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore horror underscore critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled. Just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.